What's up, everybody? It is episode 25 of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the NBA edition, as always, with myself, Joe Serralo, and my man, Mackenzie Rivers. Look, this is an NBA show, but it's an NBA betting show, so let's talk about some other betting to start things off. March Madness has officially tipped off. My bracket's fucked. My uh, my title game, Kentucky over Iowa, is officially eliminated. Mackenzie, I hope your bracket's doing a little better than mine. My bracket's doing all right. It's doing amazingly well for a guy that knows nothing about college basketball. I randomly had Richmond winning. I randomly had New Mexico State winning. And before St. Peter's just upset Kentucky, I had a perfect bracket. I was probably one percentile, which doesn't mean anything as far as the rest of my bracket's going to go. I have Villanova and Baylor in the final. They both won today. And, and you know, that that just shows you how this stuff works because you've got someone like myself who admittedly I probably watch more college basketball than NBA I'll be up at 11 p.m eastern time watching you know Wyoming versus UNLV on a Wednesday night and I think I know a lot and I come out here day one not even 11 games in my bracket gets busted (laughs) my whole title game and yet here you are man but the most important question about March Madness this year how do you feel about Yale going up against Purdue tomorrow it was um it was A.J. Hoffman's best bet, Purdue minus 16. His handicap made sense. Uh, I just went into the database and found a trend, plus 16 and greater dogs, or 56% since 2004. And I said, that's enough. I don't want to hear it. Yale's going to win. I-, I like it. I like it. Kentucky was minus 18 against St. Peter's, lost outright. Uh, you had Indiana from the Big Ten, Rutgers from the Big Ten, all went down. The Big Ten has been absolutely terrible. Iowa, you mentioned Richmond winning, another Big Ten team. Except for Michigan somehow. Yeah, Michigan came out there. Michigan came out there. They were down a, down a guard, a starter, and they came out roaring in the second half. They were down seven at halftime, beat Colorado State. But Big Ten, for the most part, pretty disappointing. So I hope Yale goes out there and beats Purdue because uh, I have the Boilermakers getting bounced early, not that it matters at this point. Let's get over to the NBA. Steph Curry, McKenzie, is probably going to miss the rest of the regular season. He's expecting to come back for the postseason, but after diving for a loose ball, Marcus Smart dove, took out Curry's foot. He sprained his left foot. And first off, what did you think of that play? And then, of course, what do you think this means for the rest of the season for Golden State in the Western Conference? It was very similar to the Solomon Hill play last year that hurt LeBron almost exactly around this time. I remember it because of my birthday. Uh, it was the day after my birthday, and I'm like, man, I'm sick. LeBron's hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't think of it as a birthday present, but I'm like, man, a, a part of me deep You're down terrible. did. You know, and, I'm, and, I, and I regret that. And I regret that. But anyway, when he went down, it was a very similar play. I don't think – I think it was a, a play that there should be maybe a flagrant call on. There's a, it's a play you shouldn't do. But I don't think Marcus Smart, I don't think Solomon Hill had anything other in, in their minds than uh, let me get this ball. But, I mean, you wouldn't, like – punch someone in the eye because you were trying to get the ball. Like, like there's, there's, there's limits. And later in the play, five seconds later, Clay, uh, he goes up for a pump fake from Clay Thompson. We don't know Curry's hurt at this point. And he kicks Clay Thompson in the foot to, to, to stop him from the easy bucket. That's, that's ridiculous. It's just, I get the, I get the, the hustle, but it's, it should just, it's, there's no, there's, it's not basketball. Yeah. The, the Clay Thompson play is a little different. When that happened, I'm watching that going, what the hell is Marcus Smart doing? I have to be honest, though, on the, on the Steph play, it's terrible. Look, first off, Steph Curry is a great guy above being a great basketball player. So you hate to see a great person like that go down. 
but he's also one of the best basketball players on the planet. It means, you know, just as much to his team as any star out there means to their team. And it sucks to see him go down, but I really think it was more of a freak thing. I didn't think the play was dirty. Uh, Steve Kerr and Draymond Green came out after the game and they said it was dangerous and unnecessary. Dangerous, maybe unnecessary. I don't I don't think you can label it unnecessary. I, I mean, that was a tough player, a guy who is never the most talented or skilled guy on the court. He's there because he's a dog. He's the workhorse. He's there to make the dirty plays. And I don't mean dirty, you know, in a bad way. I mean, get down and dirty, make the tough plays similar to Draymond Green's job with Golden State. That was just Marcus Smart doing his job to me. It's March 17th, folks, as we're recording this. This is the part of the season where every single game matters. And so for Marcus Smart to make a hustle play, it's terrible that the result of that was Steph Curry getting injured. I don't think it was dirty, though. I agree with you, and it really does matter to the Celtics. I mean, they could easily be a one-seed well, now, now they're four games back. Yeah, they could be a one seed or they could be in the play-in tournament. So these games matter crucially to them. The Golden State Warriors are probably locked in at two, even without Curry. Well, actually, maybe the Grizzlies can definitely catch them. The Grizzlies can definitely catch them. Yeah, that's interesting because you say that they're locked. And, you know, currently they're in the three seed, of course, a game behind Memphis now after that loss. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're locked. What I meant was, or what I was thinking was, two, three for them, it doesn't really matter all that much. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're playoff battle tested. So let's see. The, I mean, the Jazz could catch them, and then you're 4-5, then, then every road after the first, every game, every series after the first one would be on the road. So, yeah, the, the, the games matter, but they matter more to the Celtics, to my point. But you talk about Marcus Smart. He's a skilled basketball player. He could be a professional basketball player, uh, you know, for for 10 years, whether it was in America or or. Uh, if he had to go across across the seas, like my man Juice Thompson out of Northwestern, played him, uh, you know, grew up playing with the guy on, at the park. But uh, Marcus Smart makes how much? What does he make? Thirteen million a year. Yeah, he makes twelve million a year. He he has the skill of of a guy that you know barely makes it, but he has the tenacity of a guy that's worth twelve million dollars a year. So yeah, it's his calling card. It's what he's going to do. Uh, you know, it's real simple. If if there's if there's a flagrant two every time you dive at someone's legs, I mean, they didn't even call a foul on the play. They, they, probably, they definitely should have. You made contact. Uh, you know, if, if, they, if they made that rule, then Marcus Smart has those guidelines, but don't think anything about it as far as his intention goes. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, I don't think it should have been a flagrant. I don't think any suspensions warranted. It was just, to me, it was a tough basketball play, the kind of thing that if it happened in the 90s, no one even bats an eye. No doubt. Now, the reason that... I kind of backtracked earlier and brought up, you know, that Golden State was a three seed, Memphis was a two. Wasn't two by any means correct you, McKenzie. Which you should, though. You should definitely correct me if if I say anything wrong like that. Well, well, no, it was more so to point out that I don't think Golden State is even a lock for the three seed. You know, there's about Mm. 12 to 14 games to go, depending on the team. And I truly believe that the Warriors can slip down even to, you know, the five, six might be a stretch, but... You know, the way Dallas and Utah are both playing at this point in time, I think that Golden State is far from a lock to definitely be the three seed. I think, in fact, that I would guarantee either Dallas or Utah, at least one of those teams, will surpass Golden State, if not both. Bold prediction. Bold prediction. That that perks my ear, ears up because I, I kind of figured it was like the Chris Paul situation where the Suns had a had a great spot. And they could, they could probably use their point guard taking six weeks off. But you're right. This is not a Chris Paul type situation. Currently on NBA 538. And they do, 
taking the uh, player player injuries in, into their models. How well they do that is is anybody's guess. But they have the Suns one, Grizzlies two with fifty five wins, the Warriors three in the end of the season projected fifty three wins, Jazz and Mavericks both at fifty one. So two game advantage by their model. It's definitely doable. It's definitely it's definitely possible. And they just got Draymond Green back. That's what that's what sucks if, for a Warriors fan if you if you're looking at their title. And we'll talk about their title odds in a minute. But Steph Curry had played amazingly with Green at his side the first you know, 30 games of the season. They were the number one team in the league. Since Green went down, they're 18 and 15. They're six points worse. They're actually slightly better on offense and six points worse on defense. And now they don't have, they can't build that chemistry. I mean, obviously they've played together for a decade now, but Clay Thompson hasn't, hasn't been part of that trio for a couple of years. And that's why I think the market moving is, is pretty telling. So before this injury yesterday, the consensus odds were plus 475 on the Warriors. Now they moved to plus 550. They're still second favorites. The Suns improved. They're now plus 375. And I think it's really telling. We do a consensus shop of five different books. The Westgate here in Nevada, a very sharp book, they moved the most. They moved from Warriors plus 450 to Warriors 7 to 1, third favorite behind the Nets and tied with the Bucks. So I think it's significant. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say that Westgate is probably the book I agree the most with. You know, pregame consensus odds have them at plus, what, 550? I've seen a lot of plus 500, plus 550. I think plus 700 is really more indicative of where they're at. Look, I know when Steph comes back, anything's possible. But when he's out, anything is possible too. And, you know, that means that they might not have a single home court advantage for for any playoff series this postseason. You look at their upcoming schedule, and I'm not going to, you know, break down Utah's schedule and Dallas. We're not going to sit here and do that all, right? But you mentioned that NBA 538 projects that Golden State will go 6-6 six and six in their last 12 en route to 53 wins, and that Utah will go 8-5 and five in their final 13 and win 51 games, finishing two back from Golden State. Let's look at Golden State's, some of their games that they have upcoming. Home against San Antonio at Orlando. In theory, both should be wins. Anything can happen, especially with San Antonio. That road game at Orlando tips off a five-game, uh, or rather a, yeah, a five-game road trip. And in that road trip, they will be heading to Miami. That's a loss without Steph. I'm chalking it up right now. Atlanta, Trey Young takes a game over. I mean, you know, they could easily lose that game there. They're not going to be able to put up 120 if the Hawks are that night. And then they go to Washington and they conclude that road trip at Memphis before coming home to take on Phoenix and Utah. Memphis, Phoenix, Utah, right there, that could be a three-game losing streak. Yeah. So, you know, lo- looking at this remaining schedule, now after that, their final four games are at Sacramento versus the Lakers, at San Antonio, at New Orleans. So it gets lighter in their final four. But Miami, Memphis, Phoenix, Utah, those are four games that I just do not foresee the Warriors winning. So right there, you're saying that they have to go six and two in the remainder of their games to live up to that NBA 538 projection. Uh, I think the Utah Jazz are going to pass them. And the Mavericks, the crazy thing about that is that the Mavericks right now are even hotter than the Utah Jazz. And so, you know, I don't have Dallas's schedule in front of me, but really the point is anything can happen. And even, you know, even if Golden State only drops to that four seed and they still have home court, do you want to go up against, you know, Dallas? For seven games, uh, do you want Steph coming back from being out, being injured for about three weeks? Do you want him to have to go seven games against Luka? Uh, personally, 
it wouldn't shock me if the Warriors uh, don't win a playoff series this year, which is wild because they had the two seed on lock a couple weeks ago. Yeah, through January, they're beating teams by 10 points a game. They look like the like the 65-win Bucks team from a couple of years ago that had such a good regular season. Last year, they weren't so good, the Bucks in the regular season, which is which is a lament that the best Bucks team didn't do as well in the regular season, just like this year, because as you mature as a, lead, as a team, like the Warriors, when they got really good, regular season started to matter less and less as they had bigger aspirations. The last time these Warriors were without Steph Curry was 2019-2020. Curry only played five games. Green played 43 games. They were 15 and 50 in a shortened season. 15 and 50. So yeah, six and six might be optimistic by this model. Wouldn't be surprised at all if you ended up being right and the Jazz and the Mavericks would pass them. What's not right is that currently Steph Curry is still a bettable option at many sports books for the MVP. I mentioned this when Chris Paul went down. You got to take that off the board. People are betting all the time, five, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. They don't even follow the NBA or don't even follow till the playoffs. And you just can't have these 0% chance things out there, in my opinion. I mean, there's literally no chance. There's, I mean, it's not like the narrative is going to change. Like a player that's, you know, 200 to one, like DeRozan, he could score 50 a game down the stretch. We never know. Curry, 100 to one is probably the worst bet currently legal in the United States to win MVP. Joel Embiid is the favorite at minus 130 with Jokic at plus 140. Here's the worst thing, though. Speaking of of, of things you can't bet or you shouldn't bet, the NCAA tournament started today. As of this morning, you could bet Texas A&M Corpus Christi at 1,000 to 1 to win the national title. They had lost, I think, two days ago. So, yeah, uh, someone asleep at the wheel over there at DraftKings, uh, you know, wake up. Yeah, that, that that's like borderline criminal. And, and to your point with Steph, he needs to be taken off the board. Look, I, I don't know what the argument in defense there would be. Do you think they would try to say, well, you know, if the Warriors lose, uh, if they go 0-12 down the stretch, it proves that Steph's the most valuable player in the – I mean, give me a break. Yeah, they would come up with some bullshit. They have lawyers, but it's his bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, he, he's got to be taken off the board. That's absolutely ridiculous. Now, where do you stand with the Warriors title odds? Whether it's five to one, whether it's seven to one, is there any value there? Is that worth a bet in your opinion? Or do you think that, you know, the way things have gone as of late, even with Steph on the court and with the fact that their seeding could possibly even drop, do you think just stay the hell away from the Warriors title odds like I think? Oh, definitely. Especially because I expect them to do poorly down the stretch without Curry. So the odds are only going to get worse. Shop around 7-1. Those 7-1s are going to be a lot more common, I think, uh, pretty soon. Westgate is often ahead of these kind of moves. But especially because their their playoff situation is going to be such a gauntlet, this is a situation where it's probably going to be minus 130 in round one. Like pick them in the in the last two rounds. If you're just betting series by series, you're going to do a lot better than plus five fifty. I think maybe even twice as good. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Look, I, I've been saying this for a while. I think that the only bets worth making are the Phoenix Suns to win the title. If you want a long shot, it's Milwaukee. To me, and you've been saying that since they were six to one. Now they're plus three seventy five. So good on you. Yeah, thank you. And the, and the Bucks, I think at seven to one right now, are tremendous value. The fact that Milwaukee has not picked up. I don't know if it's because of Harden to the Sixers, who, you know, after that three-game honeymoon phase have really not looked that good. I don't know if that's the reason Milwaukee's not picking up steam, but they're hot as hell. DraftKings is already offering me a tremendous payout on that Bucks uh, to win the division bet we talked about at the All-Star break. Uh, I mean, they're clearly going to win their central division. 
I, I think the Bucks right now are going to win the Eastern Conference. I never say this, McKenzie. I think we're going to have a, a finals rematch of Phoenix versus Milwaukee. And I never in any sport pick rematches to ever happen. What's fascinating is that the, both teams, I think, are better than they were a year ago. Drew Holiday's been there another year. They're starting to gel. And the Suns, I mean, all their players are, are ascending into their prime. And Chris Paul's still Chris Paul, having a career high in assists, or he was. So, yeah, I could definitely see a rematch. Don't think the Bucs will make it, make it to, the, to the finals. That's the one I, w- I would quibble with more. I think the Nets and the Sixers just have more talent. But I wouldn't be surprised. And also the, the Celtics, too. Got to throw them in there. And the Heat. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of teams in the East. It's going to be a fun playoffs. But let's get into some games. Let, let's do it. Let's start with the Bucks. A little Saturday night action. Milwaukee at Minnesota. Each of these teams will have a couple nights off between games. And just to set the, set the scene for you, if you will, the Bucks have won eight out of nine and covered in six out of seven going into this one. The Timberwolves have both won and covered nine out of ten. And Mackenzie, you are projecting that the Milwaukee Bucks will be three and a half point road favorites in this one. How do you see this contest unfolding? Two of the top six offenses in the league. Both have been red hot uh, recently. The Wolves have been the uh, fourth best and the second best in the last four weeks and the last two weeks, respectively. So I see a barn burner. I see a fun game uh, with the with the loudness of the of the Timberwolves last game, the win, all the all the first take segments that came out of it, I feel like they may be riding a little high. They might be a little fat and happy. So uh, my pure power rankings make this three. I bumped the Bucks three and a half, and actually, I think it's probably light. They should probably be closer to five point favorites. It's it's right in that in that in between area where I have a point and a half of value in my opinion, but I, I'm not, you know, I. I I'll, I'll I'll wait and see. I'll look at you know first quarter, first half. There's there's nothing bettable in my mind right now if this number comes up at three and a half. But I'm definitely leaning hard towards the Bucks. Interesting. You know I've been a Bucks backer all year, right? I've been really high on Milwaukee, especially in these situations. They definitely thrive the most as road favorites against the spread. But if this does come out closer to Milwaukee minus four and a half, minus five, I might have to change course here and go with the Timberwolves plus the points at home. I think that the matchup to look for here is going to be Carl Anthony Towns versus Giannis. Obviously, he won't be trailing him out on the perimeter, but when Giannis gets into the paint, he can usually bully guys, right? He is a rare breed, a rare combination of strength and quickness and agility that is super hard to find, super rare in this league. Carl Anthony Towns, I'm not saying he's as fast as Giannis, right? That's not a that's not a comparison, but when it comes to post footwork. I think Cat has as good footwork in the post as anyone. He's obviously got a bigger body than Giannis. I I think it's going to be tough for Giannis to have a lot of success in the paint with this matchup. And then, you know, you threw this stat out there a few episodes back. Minnesota is one of the best teams in the league at limiting opposing point guard scoring. So if Giannis can't be a bully down low and Holiday might not be able to have his best performance because the Timberwolves do so well against opposing point guards, you know, the Bucks could be running out of options on offense. I think Minnesota right now, you know, I just mentioned they've won and covered nine out of 10. They're as hot as any team in the league, hotter than the Mavericks, even hotter than the Bucks, even uh, I'm leaning towards if you can get four and a half, five points, taking the points, taking the home dog in this one. Well, RJ likes to say there's good arguments on both sides of every bet. That's why the line's where it's at. If it wasn't, it would quickly move. Someone would make a lot of big bets until the line shaped up. That's why I think it's going to happen here. And I'm, again, I'm not, uh, I'm leaning towards the Bucks, but I don't think I'll bet it yet. Uh, 
this is what I expect to happen. My power ratings, my pure power ratings make it Bucks minus three. I expect I've I've seen similar uh sports books come out with similar lines to these projections all year. I think it's gonna come out at three, but I don't think it's gonna stay there because the Bucks won the championship last year. The Bucks have the, the two-time defending MVP. Well, actually, I guess Jokic won it last year, but they have a two-time MVP. This is going to be one of those games, especially on a Friday, where you see the favorite get bet up. You wait till maybe an hour before tip-off. You get that five, the nice juicy five and a half if it gets there, and that's when you strike. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, so many times I've said go out there and bet that game as soon as it comes out. You know, and we've seen it work a couple times. I, I always reference that. Mavericks Lakers game where I took Dallas minus three and a half when it opened and by close it was minus five and a half they won by five in this case 100% if your lean like myself is towards the Timberwolves as home dogs here then wait 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 it out because the public is going to be all over the bucks to McKenzie's point let's get to a couple Friday night games and we've mentioned you know the Mavericks a lot so far this episode talking about them and how competitive they're going to be down the stretch in the west vying for that three seed They head to Philly Friday night, and the Sixers are three-point favorites at the moment. Dallas has won 10 out of 12 and covered 9 out of 12. Philly on the flip side. Since covering their first three games of the Harden-Embiid era and winning all three by a combined 20.5 points per game, the Sixers are just 4-3 and straight up in their last seven and have only covered one out of their last seven contests. So they're three-point favorites in this one so far, McKenzie. Who do you like here? I like the Sixers. I like the Sixers. In fact, it's going to be my best bet. I think they need the game a lot more. Now, I haven't bet the game yet, and I'm not because I'm waiting on Joel Embiid, who is questionable right now with a back injury, but he was questionable for their last game with the Cavs and ended up playing. I think he plays because the last time he was out there in a big game, Nikola Jokic, his MVP rival, won it down the stretch, made made the plays that he needed to to get that win. Embiid, I mean, very rarely in life do you get to be the best in the world at something. Embiid has called himself that, and he can go prove it if he's durable down the stretch. So that's why I think, despite the questionable with the back injury, I think he goes out there, and I think he's going to be the difference in this game. Last time, I mean, he had a big game against the Nuggets, but they lost. The Mavericks are a great defensive team. They're top 10 versus every position except for the center position where they're 19th out of 30 teams. I think Embiid needs a big game. I think he shows up. My power ratings make it five and a half. So I haven't downgraded the Sixers despite only covering, what'd you say, one out of their last seven games. You know, they, they, I had a best bet on them. They lost to the Cavs by a half a point after being down 20 in the, in the first half. They, they didn't cover by 20 points. You know, sometimes you lose. We're uh, going to talk about the Hawks later. They've lost seven straight against the spread the Hawks have, and they didn't play any worse for the wear for it. They just happen to be five point favorites and win by four, four, you know, those, those kind of things happen. They don't really change my mindset for a team. So I think the, the Nets, the Mavericks have had two big, big, big capital B wins that were really, you know, coin flips, three point win against the Celtics, two point win on the buzzer on the Spencer Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie buzzer and back against his home team, his old team, the Nets two point win. I think if, without those two shots, without those two close wins, this number is going to be closer to five and a half. I think Embiid plays, and I think the, the number is going to juice up once he is announced in. And I like the matchup. So those three things, I'll just throw one more stat out there. The Mavericks are five and one in their last six, straight up in ATS. The metrics 
aren't good. They're 21st in offense over that stretch. They've had one stinker. It was it was against the Knicks where they scored 77. And besides besides that, you win a couple of close games, you get blown out. I think that's a recipe for being a little overrated, especially because no one saw that Knicks game. You look at the Sixers' last six games, again, they had one stinker against the Nets. Everybody saw that game. Everybody talked about that game. Standalone national TV game. I don't know. For those reasons and more, I just I really like the Sixers pick. Uh, best bet. I'm, I'm a little annoyed you brought up that, uh, that Sixers-Cavs game with Embiid being questionable because I took that one at Philly minus four in the morning, and then the reports that Embiid was questionable came out, and it dropped to Philly minus two and a half. What did they do? They won by four. I got to push. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not happy about that one. I cannot remember the last time that one of us disagreed with the best bet. Usually, you know, we don't really go against each other with our best bets. They're usually unrelated, separate games. And, you know, with the reasoning that we both provide, usually the other person ends up walking away from, you know, from each other's best bet going, yeah, I like that. I think I'm going to play that too. And in this case, I'm actually going with Dallas in this one. I like the Mavs plus three here. They are one of the best road teams against the spread in the NBA, covering over uh, 57% of their games total and almost 62% of their games on the road and as a road dog. The key here for me is just how bad Philly's been at home against the spread. They've been pretty good on the road, but at home, the Sixers, not much better than the Brooklyn Nets against the spread, who we talked about last episode. The Nets are the worst team at home against the spread. Philly, third worst, and uh, rather third worst as a home favorite and fourth worst overall at home. So the Sixers at home, Maybe the lines have just been inflated for most of the season. You see that's the same case with the Nets, of course. But I think this is the first time that I'm actually against your best bet. I like it. I like it. A little friction causes a little heat, causes a little passion. <laughs> it'll, it'll make the game a little more fun knowing that I have a hater on my side no, against me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you make you make, you make make The Mavericks have been better recently, no doubt. I mean, that's kind of why I like the, the Sixers here because, you know, you have to put your foot in the ground when you, when you haven't been playing – up to snuff, eventually, especially in these big marquee matchups, they just lost one. Actually, they just lost two to the Nuggets and the Nets. I think this is their game in a marquee matchup where Harden and Embiid show up big time. And Tyrese Maxey, I think it's going to be a good matchup for Luka Doncic. And the Mavericks, again, have a great defense. They paid uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. They just gave him a $60 million contract. He can't guard Embiid. He can't guard Embiid. So the Mavericks have a great defense against everybody else. I think they're going to struggle here. Yeah, and I think that reasoning right there is what definitely solidifies your pick. You know, the Mavericks have been hot, and maybe, you know, the fact that they've been so hot and they've been winning, squeaking out these close games, maybe that brings the line more to their favor than it should be against Harden and Embiid in this one. So I totally get where you're coming from. I'm on the other side, though. It's going to be fun to see what happens. Let's see how you feel about my best bet. It's the last game we're getting to. The Grizzlies minus three and a half in Atlanta is my best bet. The Hawks have not covered, as you just mentioned, in their last seven games. They've covered just 40% of the time this season as a home dog. Also, big stat for me here. They are just 9-16 and 16 against the spread versus Western Conference opponents. That's one of the worst marks in the NBA versus the other conference. Memphis, second best team in basketball in this category. 16-9 and nine against the spread versus the East. I don't want to bore everyone with the same Memphis stats that I rattle out almost every episode when we talk about them. They're the best team in basketball against the spread. One of the best on the road. One of the best as road favorites. You all know if you bet on the Grizzlies every game, you're bound to hit two out of three. And I love Memphis in this one. 
John Morant is back. He missed their last game. They still took care of business. Give me the Grizz minus three and a half in Atlanta. It's my best bet. Mackenzie, I'm curious to see what side you're you're on here. There's absolutely nothing wrong with identifying a team that you think is better than the market expects and riding them over and over again throughout a season. The Suns last year covering 60% throughout the whole season, and they've been decent this year. Grizzlies are that team this year. John Morant has taken that step. And this is how good they are. John Morant's an MVP favorite. They are 13-2 and two straight up in ATS when he doesn't play. And he brings a lot to the table when he does play. So in against probably the worst point guard defender, like individual player, Trey Young, I'm really interested in that matchup. And I think John Morant puts on a show. They score a lot of points. I can't get there on a bet. My numbers make this only Memphis minus one. I think there's going to be a lot of points. So I wouldn't grab the four, uh, three and a half necessarily. Uh, but uh, it's a pass for me. But, I mean, you called the Grizzlies very early in this NBA season, and you've been riding them, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, two teams I've been riding, the Grizzlies and the Bucks. I'm not going to stick with Milwaukee this episode, but I'm all over Grizzlies. It's my best bet. So you've got it for me. Memphis minus three and a half is my best bet. McKenzie is going with Philadelphia minus three against Dallas. We'll see how these unfold. Some Friday night action, some Friday night best bets. And this is all I've got to live for because my bracket's fucked. <laughs> hey, you made a, you had a who? Uh, you had Creighton, man. So you have some college basketball knowledge and you made some money on it tonight. So you got to celebrate that. Yeah, yeah. That, that Creighton, uh, they were down nine with two minutes to go. Took a money line plus 130. So that definitely uh, saved, my, saved my ass a little bit. <laughs> Cash. That does it. That does it for episode 25 of the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. For myself, Joe Serralo, my guy, Mackenzie Rivers. Guys, go make some money on us.